Hello, everybody, and welcome to Get Lit Minute, your weekly podcast for all things poetic, poetry, and poets. This series is produced by Get Lit Words Ignite, which is a nonprofit organization that uses poetry and spoken word to increase literacy and empower young people. My name is Nia Lewis. In this podcast, we focus on the lives, history, and works of classic poets and modern-day contemporary poets. This poet today was the youngest poet to perform at the presidential inauguration, so it's time to get lit with Amanda Gorman. Amanda Gorman was born in Los Angeles, California on March 7, 1998. She was raised in Watts with her mother, Joan Wicks, and her two siblings. She has a twin sister, Gabriella, that is an activist and a filmmaker. Gorman felt that she grew up in an interesting intersection in Los Angeles, saying it felt like black hood met black elegance, met white gentrification, met Latin culture, met wetlands. Her worlds were going to a private school in Malibu and living in a two-bedroom apartment, but this caused her to gain and learn different perspectives and cultures, but it also made her feel like an outsider. Gorman describes her younger self as weird. She felt like an alien most of her elementary experience. She was traveling between school and home, living in a white world and a black world, while being a kid that reads books and would write in a journal while other kids would play on a juggle gym during recess. She would hoard books and even try to read two books at the same time, side by side. That is how much she loved reading. Gorman has an auditory processing disorder and is hypersensitive to sound, and she grew up with a speech impediment. She did a lot of speech therapy when she was younger. Amanda Gorman really found her voice in eighth grade after discovering Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. It was the first time she ever saw a dark-skinned, kinky-haired girl on a cover. She fell in love with Morrison's craftsmanship and the content of her stories. It was the first time she didn't see a light skin or a white heroine, and this time they were black. It allowed her to find her own voice, her own blackness. Morrison taught her how to write in an unapologetic, black and feminist aesthetic. This book really allowed her to find her voice. She wanted to be an unashamed black girl who didn't let a speech impediment silence her. She read cereal boxes, books, everything that would help her hone her voice to improve her craft. She went to Harvard University, graduating cum laude with a degree in sociology. Amanda Gorman was named the first Poet Laureate of Los Angeles in 2014, and not too long after released her first poetry book, The One Whom Food Is Not Enough, in 2015. In 2017, she was named the first U.S. National Poet Laureate. She has performed at many venues like the Obama White House, the Library of Congress, Lincoln Center, and recently President Biden's inauguration, which is making her the youngest poet to perform. She has received a genius grant from Aussie Media. She has written for the New York Times newsletter, The Edit, and penned the manifesto of Nike's 2020 Black History Month campaign. Gorman is the recipient of the Poets and Writers Barnes & Noble's Writers for Writers Award and is the youngest board member of 826 National, the largest youth writing network in the United States. She has two books forthcoming with Penguin Random House. One will release sometime in September 2021 and it is a children's book entitled Change Sings. She is also the founder and executive director of One Pin, One Page, which is an organization that provides creative writing programs for underserved youth. Amanda Gorman's work speaks on the issues of oppression, feminism, race, and marginalization. When asked how she starts writing poems, she says she thinks of it as external and internal. She says, 
If she feels like writing about the internal, like past experiences, she'll write about the external reality, like the ocean, and she'll start to make connections. When she thinks of the ocean, she thinks of sunlight, and she might start to begin with the word cloud, and then she'll start writing the best words that she heard that week. And she'll take those words and she'll start to write, but she can't write without music being present. So she always has to have instrumental music to really get her into the mood. And many of her poems have become the visual representation representation of the songs she listened to while writing. When asked about her thoughts on her understanding of this moment when it comes to race, she says, I firmly believe that this moment when it comes to race is a moment of redefinition and revolution. I believe that the fact that this moment at times is so painful and terrifying might actually be a source of hope. Because usually the things that matter, the things that make change, and the things that last for generations to come are painful and terrifying for generations that ignited them. She really shows her understanding of this moment in race in her poem that will be featured in our Get Lit anthology entitled The Hill We Climb. In this poem, she brings power and light to the fact that through burdens we still overcome and we somehow find a lightness in this darkness of oppression. So here is Amanda Gorman's poem entitled, The Hill We Climb. When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea we must wade. We've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace and the norms and notion of what just is, isn't always justice. And yet, the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken but simply unfinished. We, the successors of a country and a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaved and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president, only to find herself reciting for one. And yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we are striving to form a union that is perfect. We are striving to forge a union with purpose, to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man. And so, we lift our gazes not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. We close the divide because we know to put our future first, we must first put our differences aside. We lay down our arms so we reach out our arms to one another. We seek harm to none and harmony for all. Let the globe, if nothing else, say that this is true. That even as we grieved, we grew. That even as we hurt, we hope. That even as we tired, we tried. That we'll forever be tied together victorious. Not because we've never again known defeat, but because we will never again sow division. Scripture tells us to envision that everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. If we're to live up to our own time, then victory won't lie in the blade, but in all the bridges we've made, that this is the promise to glade. The hill we climb if we only dare. It's because being American is more than a pride we inherit. It's the past we step into and how we repair it. We've seen a force that would shatter our nation rather than share it, would destroy our country if it meant delaying democracy. And this effort very nearly succeeded but while democracy can be periodically delayed, it can never be permanently defeated. 
in this truth, in this face we trust for a while, we have our eyes on the future. History has its eyes on us. This is the era of just redemption we feared at its inception. We do not feel prepared to be the heirs of such a terrifying hour, but within it we find the power to author a new chapter, to offer hope and laughter to ourselves so while once we ask, how can we possibly prevail over catastrophe? Now we assert, how could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? We will not march back to what was, but move to what shall be. A country that is bruised but whole, benevolent but bold, fierce and free. We will not be turned around or interrupted by intimidation because we know our inaction and inertia will be the inheritance of the next generation. Our burdens become their burdens, but one thing is certain. If we merge mercy with might and might with right, then love becomes our legacy and change our children's birthright. So let us leave behind a country better than the one we left with. Every breath from my bronze-pounded chest, we will raise this wounded world into a wondrous one. We will rise from the gold-limbed hills of the west. We will rise from the wind-swept northeast, where our forefathers first realized revolution. We will rise from the lake-rimmed cities of the Midwestern states. We will rise from the sun-baked south. We will rebuild, reconcile, and recover in every known nook of our nation and every corner called our country. Our people, diverse and beautiful, will emerge battered and beautiful when day comes we step out of the shade aflamed and unafraid the new dawn blooms as we free it for there is always light if only we were brave enough to see it if only we were brave enough to see it This poem is beyond powerful, and I know that Amanda is sparking something in everyone with this poem. She is changing lives, and I remember my aunt calling me and being like, Oh my god, I need you to see this immediately! I was unable to actually see um, her perform that poem, but this poem is just... It's so powerful, and I think it's something that we needed in the dark times that we've had these last four years. It's almost like we're welcoming um, a new beginning um, for some change. We need some change. Um, and it's, it's something I want to take with me every single day. Um, I want to be strong for my community, for myself, for everyone um and i think that that was really her point in the poem is that we have to be there for each other in order for us to really see change we have to understand each other thank you so much for tuning in with us on all things amanda gorman and make sure that you share this podcast with your friends and family members and i'll see you guys next week get lit minute is a production of get lit words ignite this podcast is produced by Samuel Curtis, executive produced by Diane Luby Lane, and engineered by Peter Davis. This episode was researched, written, and edited by me, Nia Lewis, alongside Bridget Yang. 
Lucas Lane is our digital editor and our editorial advisors are Kelly Grace Thomas and Colleen Hamilton. Special thanks to the entire GetLit staff and donors who made this work possible, the teachers who use this podcast to educate their students, and to all students of life everywhere for tuning in and spending time with us today. If you want to hear more of our episodes, this podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts and on our website, getlit.org. That is G-E-T-L-I-T dot O-R-G. 